and it always takes a couple minutes just for it to kick in, of course. All right. Hello and welcome, Just a Family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV. I am your host, Melissa Kretschler. I am also identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, and the founder of the Women Supporting Women Can Network. <laughs> Women Supporting Women Can Network, as well as Just a Live TV. So that is what we are, what I'm doing. Uh, today's episode is Addicted to Thriving. Um, our sponsor of today's episode, sorry, I can't speak today. Today's episode is sponsored by Holistics Personal Training. They're offering you 25% off their signature program, which enables you to have mental, physical health and balance. And they have live and in-person appointments. So if you are in the Winnipeg, Manitoba area, check out them in person. Otherwise you can join them live. Link in the description, go and take a look at that. And who owns Holistics Personal Training? None other than my co-host today, which is Mick Clarity. Mick, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Mick and I am the founder of Holistics Personal Training. I am a certified addictions counselor and registered personal trainer. So I have steered more away from doing the one on one to get into that. So I apologize for anybody watching or catching the replay. Please like, follow and share just a live TV on all of your social media accounts. We are across most social media platforms. We also have a newsletter that sends out when we are live, when we're going live, what's upcoming during the week and merch, which will be coming in the near future. So Today, my guest host is none other than Sassy Coach creator, Christine Malik. Please introduce yourself. Hi there. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate this very, very much. Um, my name is Christine. I am the Sassy Coach. And as Melissa said, we will get into what Sassy stands for. But what I do is I help other women specifically that have been in some sort of form of abuse. I help them get from not feeling real good about themselves to feeling that full sassiness. That's, that's where we're going. As soon as you're ready, I will be more than happy to tell you all about sassy. <laughs> you do. You actually called okay. me. You told me that I was sassy. So I would love you to know exactly are. what sassy stands for. I know that, you know, for the most part, we don't promote on the show, but to give an idea of what sassy actually means, I'd love to hear that because you're, you do work with people on the topic that we're talking about today. So Tell us what SASI actually means. All right. SASI stands for, and it's S-A-S-S-I, and that is strong, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent. And that's who we are as women. As, as being a, an abusive, abused woman, we, we lost all that. We had it before, maybe not all of it, maybe most of it, doesn't matter, but we had some, port of, some part of SASI before and then the abuse kicked in and we went through all those negative things. So it's it's my goal, it's my vision, um, it's my path in life to help other abuse victims to get to sassy, to bring that back out again, to find that inner sassiness and to say, hey, you know what? I am strong, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent, however that means for each an individual woman. Absolutely. And, and I absolutely love that because we are, we need that. 
And you and I do similar yes. things in different roles and different in different spheres where, you know, I'm an identity coach. And part of that is is rebuilding from our core, right? Rebuilding from that core of who we are, not what everybody else thinks we are or, you know, every situation. We think that, you know, as addicts or abuse victims that we are, you know, that's our label now right? I'm a victim or I'm an addict. That's not your label. That has been a part of your story and that will continue to be a part of your story, but it's not who you are. So exactly. let, me start, let me start with the TikTok that I did today. Did you end up catching it? I know I tagged you in it. Did you- I did. I did. I did. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. And, um, you know, I'm finally getting used to doing videos. Um, <laughs> so I, me too. Yeah. The first thing I mentioned in that video was when somebody says addiction, what's the first thing that people think about when, when they hear the word addiction, they think of drugs, they think of alcohol, you know, even sex, smoking, right? They don't actually think that situations, people, we can be addicted to anything, absolutely anything. And there are two very specific variations of addiction. Um, so one is the cause and, and one is, well, I guess we no, they're both the same. So, so I apologize. I'm trying to word that properly. So addiction is, what is addiction? Addiction is a need to replace, remove, or reveal an emotion, right? So me being addicted, I'm a smoker, right? So I'm a smoker. I smoke. Um, my addiction to smoking stems from my need to de-stress, right? Smoking for me is like a de-stressor. If I'm talking a lot, if I'm on the phone and I'm venting, I'm smoking. Like (laughs) I'm outside, I'm pacing, I'm smoking. Um, So for me, my correlation between smoking and the addiction is the need to de-stress. It's a a stress reliever for me, which of course is not healthy. Um, Addiction in a sense of drugs, alcohol, abuse, um, any of those is the need to feel a certain way. Now, when if I if I turned around to somebody who has been in an abusive relationship, because we are talking about abusive relationships as well. If you're in an abusive relationship, you become addicted to that relationship or addicted to that type of relationship because it becomes comfortable. Anything outside of that relationship is scary. You don't trust it. You don't know it. And you become addicted to being comfortable in that relationship, whether whether it's truly actually comfortable or not. So addiction is a need to replace, remove, or, or find comfort in whatever it is that's, that you're addicted to. So when people truly understand that what causes addiction, what addiction truly is, it changes the way you think of it, right? Because if we as individuals, and I'm sorry, I'm monopolizing this first few minutes. No, 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 you're fine. When we as as individuals realize that our addiction is stemming from a need to replace, remove, or recreate a feeling, we can identify, okay, what is that feeling? What are we avoiding? What are we trying to create? What, what is that feeling? And how can I create or remove that feeling without the addiction? Right? Um, uh, self-harm. So I didn't, my very first episode, and you can only find this episode on Facebook or YouTube. The very first episode of the show we did, we did with my 19-year-old son. 
and he would cut, he would self-harm. And I did a ton of research at the time of what that meant and what it was for. Everybody was like, oh, it's just for attention. It's actually not. So self-mutilation or self-harm is actually a coping mechanism for emotions that you have, you don't know how to process. Addiction is the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's not being able to process those emotions or those situations or, or anything like that. So we turn to addiction. Now there are people who are forced into addiction. I, I will absolutely, there's no shame um, there's no shame if you are an addict or if you're addicted to abuse. There is absolutely no shame. We all go through the cycle of addiction one way or another. All of us. Nobody is free from that. Whether it's addictive thought processes, addiction to self-sabotage. Like, the list is endless. 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 Yes. endless on yes. what we're addicted to. Unfortunately, it is. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, it is. I, I think I think that it it also stems from, and as as you had said, not having those coping mechanisms. We didn't know. We weren't taught, and especially my generation. I'm I'm in my <clears throat> mid fifties, so um, my parents and their parents, you know, everything was swept under the carpet. That you didn't know how to handle addictions. You you know, housewives way back then in the early fifties and sixties. They were taught you, you're barefoot and pregnant. That's what you were supposed to do. And you were supposed to make sure dinner was done, house was clean, and everything was neat and tidy and in place and in order. And if somebody had a problem, you didn't discuss it. You didn't talk about it. And I think that's where our generation, at least now in 2022 and, and, and even you know the last two years, that we have begun, begun to open up about this, that we can talk about it. And that's one of the things that I... I encourage so much is open up, talk to somebody, find somebody to talk to, find a coach as yourself, myself, <coughs> excuse me, find a friend, um, you know, especially when it comes to, yes, yes, they're out there. They are there. Um, and especially when it comes to the abuse that we're talking about today, not so much the alcohol, because I think, at least in my case, I know I was an alcoholic before I was in an abusive situation. But the alcoholism, because of the abusive situation, got so much worse. And in between all that, I then became addicted because the alcohol wasn't enough. Um, I became addicted to pain pills. Um, there's there's this, the side effects that you try and deal with and cope, as you had said, with with that abuse and 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 because there, I didn't have my mom. My mom had already had already passed away, so I didn't have my mom. I certainly wasn't going to my only daughter and say, "Hey, how do I fix this?" She's an adult, you know. I should have at the time, but she didn't know because we didn't talk about it. It wasn't foremost in her, you know her and my father's her father's re relationship. We we didn't have that. There was no abuse in my first marriage, um, so it it wasn't something that was talked about. So we, we need to open those lines of communication and things like this truly help. If, if, it, if somebody gets one tiny little piece of nugget and says, you know what, I need to talk to somebody. Let me find somebody to talk to, whether it's your, yourself, myself, you got to reach out as, as abused women, we have got to reach out. And that's probably the, the biggest part of my, my mission is, is 
we have to bring this forefront. We have to bring this forward. It is not talked about enough. There is still a lot of stigma associated with abuse um, and, and where it came from and where it stems from. And domestic violence is at an all-time high right now with the pandemic, with being stuck at home, all of it. It's, it's at an all-time high. You know that... <laughs> That's the, the statistic is one in four women, one in four will experience domestic abuse and violence in their lifetime. One in four and one in seven do not make it out alive. And I'm sorry, that's a statistic that I just feel we can change that. We can change that, those statistics. Yeah, absolutely. By being informed, by being, you know, conscious of it by having support groups. We have a group called uh, the Women Supporting Women Network. Um, it's actually the Women Supporting Women Can Network. While we, I don't know offhand if we do have domestic violence survivors in that group, there are a lot of groups, a lot of organizations, a lot of companies now who help support domestic violence. The um, hand signal that if you are in trouble and you need help, if you're at a doctor's office or anywhere else, and you use that universal signal. So again, palm up, finger in, close. That's, that is the universal now signal that I yep. need help. So yep. for anybody watching, if this is something that you resonate, please try to get help. We know it's not easy. We know it's not. not easy. I have never been in a domestic violence relationship. I can say that I am not one of the one in four. I have been in violent situations. I have been, you know, verbally, mentally. I have never been physically abused. Um, sexually, yes, not physically. Um, but again, it's still, it's still a global thing that's going on. There are communities and cultures where it is absolutely acceptable. We came from a generation, not you and I, but beforehand, where it was acceptable to be, excuse me, to abuse your partner. It was accepted. And we're growing out of that. You were talking about generational. Our generations, generations before us didn't talk about it. Even my own husband would be like, we don't talk to kids about finances. I said, why not? How are they supposed to learn? Right? Exactly. Um, I'm always teaching my kids, you know, it's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to, you know, struggle. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to cry. It's, and I show them that by doing it myself because that's how they learn. Our parents didn't do that because everything was behind closed doors. Everything was hidden. You didn't talk to your children about that. Um, and none of it was, was common knowledge or even talked about. So that one exactly. four has been years in the making it has constantly been that. It's just now we're talking about it. Now we're bringing it to light. If this show can do every day some good for even one person, then that's what the show is going to do. That's why it's a talk show, right? Because we want to talk. We want to make you know that it is okay to be where you're at. If you are in a domestic violence situation or an abusive situation, an addictive situation, it is okay. You are not alone. You may feel alone. You may feel like you're that you're lost, that you don't know who you are, that you're not capable of getting out. You are. It may take time. 
Let's start planning. There are groups out there that can help you plan an escape plan that is safe for you, your children. Um, there are ways yes. to do it. And, and I encourage yes. you yeah. to, to reach out, even if it is joining a Facebook group and finding those resources, even if it is, you know, going to your local women's shelter and saying, you know, I need help. And you were saying, or, or the reason why we did this is because there is a stage that once you get out now, if anybody's watched the movie made, I highly, highly ask you to watch the, the, not the movie, the series made. That series is all about domestic violence and it's all about the stages of domestic violence. One of the stages that they highlight in there is going back. And when you go back, there are a multitude of reasons why, but one of the main reasons you go back is the addiction to the abuse. Not that you want to get hit, not that you want to be verbally, physically, or mentally abused. You don't want that. We know that you don't want that. But when there is an addiction in place to that abuse, it is so easy to fall back in those patterns. How many people, when they try to quit smoking, go back to smoking? How many people, when they drink, they go back to drinking? There is a way to do it so that you logically know and find support in that abuse addiction phase of getting out and that's yes it's 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 right and it's knowing that that it's okay to have those feelings just as you know a a recovering alcoholic that has a slip a recovering drug addict that has and that's what it's called it's a slip okay and i've been through both aa and na it's a slip and and going back to the abuser it's a slip it's okay we we need to for women to know that it's okay to have that feeling. It's okay to go back there. Okay, so you went back, it, you know, the, and believe me, it's it's very easy to go back to that situation because that abuser will say, honey, I'm so sorry. I changed. I promise it'll never happen again. We hear those stories. We hear those words. And a few days will go by or a week will go by and everything will be fine. And you you get that that false sense of security and you think, okay, everything's good. Everything's going to change. But yes, you know, the, the addicted to the abuse part, those chemicals and that need inside her body says, okay, where is it? Where is it? The little by little unconsciously we create situations that bring on that abuse and Knowing that is half the battle. Our knowledge is, 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 you know, golden. We have to know that. But until you talk to somebody and get in with a coach or somebody that can help with that, we don't, and believe me, I've, I've gone back and, and I've allowed him, actually it was kind of the other way around. It was my house. I owned it, but I allowed him to come back into the house, even though I knew in my heart of hearts and in my smart brain that this is not what I want. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I let him come back into the house and I got the, I promise it'll never happen again. I'm so sorry. The the genuine, and there was some genuine pleading that he was sorry. And I believed it. And I, because I'm a trusting soul. I, you know, I love this man. I did. Um, But, you know, we, we, we start to create those little 
you know, maybe the sandwich wasn't done just quite right. Maybe subconsciously we did that on purpose because we, we, we did get addicted to that. That first one wasn't enough the, you know, just like drugs, alcohol, sex, chocolate, <laughs> you know, I mean, how many of us are addicted to chocolate? Okay. I'll tell you that right now that I love chocolate. See, <laughs> you know? so so what do we do? We, you know, we go to the grocery store, we buy chocolate. Exactly. Even though we're not, we know we're not supposed to. And we know that if we take it home, we're not going to stop with just one or two bites. The abuse in the, in the situation in the home is no different. Yeah. I was, I was, I was going to ask about that and challenge every woman that watches or every man that watches is how the self-sabotage too, right? Um, we did yes. an episode and, and for anybody watching, we did an episode called addiction from a partner's perspective and the mm. partner, the, the lady that we talked to on that episode is works with Al-Anon, uh, not like she, she, she's a, you know, partner of an addict. And, um, she even said on that episode, and I just want to reiterate this again, is that you become so addicted to their behavior you become so comfortable in that in their behavior that when you start to create a space where there isn't that behavior, it's so unusual. You don't know who your partner is. You don't even know who you are. And then you're like, oh, what, what do I do? Like, do I, do I, you know, like revert? And then you'll do things. And I'm not saying exactly. that it's, I'm not saying it's a victim's fault. But you mm-hmm. will do things to encourage the abuse because you are addicted to the normalcy of it. And that's what it is. It becomes normal. Every addiction then becomes a normal part of your life. That's why. Right. And you have to. Yeah. And you have to remember, it's not like that, that abuse started from day one that you met this person. Okay. You know, it wasn't week one. It wasn't, you know, week 25. It, 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 it happens over time yeah. and it, it starts very little on the Hill until, you know, I mean, I was, I was married to this person for six and a half years and it did not start. He came in like a knight in you know, shining armor. He was absolutely beautiful. I fell in love with this man and I probably still have feelings or at least that I didn't go through the grieving process of losing a partner. Um, and I don't mean physically other than he's, he's not in my life anymore. Um, so that, that abuse happens little by little over time. It, it climbs those stairs to where it gets to a point. So you become accustomed to it and, and you make excuses for it. It, it could be, you know, the, it, it could start out small with just the verbal abuse. Okay. It could start, start out small with the sexual abuse that honey, I'm, you know, that you get the honey, I'm horny. Let's, let's, you know, have sex because it's not making love. There's a difference. And you say no, but you love this man and this is what he wants. So you think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, it, it starts little and it starts gradual until it finally builds till there are other factors within the relationship that it could be a normal, what a normal couple would fight about, okay, and say, okay, well, you know, you spent too much money on this, or you spent too much money on that, you know, and you have a disagreement, and you have an argument, well, in an abusive situation, that is now fuel for the fire for him to be able to say, or her, I mean, I, I know I say him, but it could go either way, because one in seven men are abused in their lifetime by women, um, but it gives that that abuser 
the go ahead for now that physical abuse. You've already had the sexual abuse. You've had the verbal abuse. You've had the mental abuse. You know, why do you do this? You know, you're no good. You're, you know, all those things that, that you were told throughout those weeks and years of that relationship. Now it gives him the opportunity for that physical abuse to come in. And that first one, yeah, it hurts. Uh, you know, it could be the slap across the face. It could be, you know, a really hard punch in your solar plexus and in your stomach. Um, I mean, it could, it ranges from, I don't want to say mild, but not as severe as what some of us go through. Um, I've had broken bones. I've had a gunshot wound to the head. You know, I've had the black eyes I've, and I've made, excuse the broken wrist, you know, the three cracked ribs, I've had it all. Although I'm sure I'm not, and I don't want to take away from anybody else out there because it can get worse. Because obviously, as I said, that same one in seven statistic of women not making it out. I made it out. Um, but it, 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 you make excuses then because not only have you had those bad times gradually increasing, but you're also establishing a life with this person. And that was one of the biggest things that when I started finally getting my story out there that I got asked a lot from people that didn't know why didn't you get out? Why did you stay? Why did you stay? Well, it's not that easy to answer that question because we've established a relationship. You build a relationship. Any relationship will be built on good and bad. It's how you handle that in a relationship that 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 makes it a... A, a, a lot uh, of the times, um, and so I, I want to play devil's advocate in a minute because I'm, I'm analytical and that's just the way I roll. Um, go for it. But a lot of times we don't, you know, women women like to focus on the positive, right? They like to focus on the good times and, and the good and, and we're, we lead with our emotions. So if majority of the time we are in love with this person and we've built a life with this person and they're the center of our universe, we don't want to give up, right? We don't want to be the failure. We don't want to say we didn't try and we didn't make it work. And we didn't want to to make our partner feel like they're the bad guy or, or anything along those lines. Right now going to the abusers, uh, clock rolls around. Oh, everybody's going to the bar. Am I going to the bar? It's one choice, one moment. That's all it is. But everybody gets so upset about, I need to work out. I need to eat healthy. I need to diet. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then it becomes overwhelming because it's not one thing at a time, but logistically it is one thing at a time. I love that. It's so simply, it's, that's such a simple way to look at it. And you know, it's, I find myself, if I do too much at once, I get overwhelmed very easily, which is probably for a lot of people having that one choice that you say really like puts the spotlight on that one moment. And that's a really mindful way of looking at it. My daughter's five and I'm teaching her about how to be mindful, be in the moment. I'm like, I, I use the word present. Okay. So I'm teaching her past, present and future. She's like, oh, present. Like you have a present for me. <laughs> it's like, no, no, we're talking about like right now, what are we doing? And in that moment, we were getting ready to brush our teeth, but we were heading to my grandma's house. So she, I said, what are we doing in this moment? And she said, oh, we're going to granny's. I says, no, no, we're doing that in about five or 10 minutes. What are we doing at this moment in the present moment? She's like, oh, we're brushing your teeth and just, ah, okay, right now, this moment that we're in right now, not in five minutes, not regretting or deciding something we did five minutes ago. It's like right now, 
And that's a really good way to look at it is that one choice right now is, yeah. Yep. Small steps. And for our viewer on YouTube, um, if you're still watching, talking about distractions, is it is that one moment. If your focus, and that's grounding. So for anybody who is spiritual, not spiritual, that is called grounding. Um, anybody can do it no matter who you are, where you're at. People will tell you that grounding is rooting yourself to the ground. That is a possibility. But for me, grounding yourself is bringing yourself into the moment. It's the here and now, right now. It is putting all of your focus on what you are doing right now. It's not thinking about your past. It's not thinking about your future. It's not thinking about all the 50 million things you need to do today. It's what am I doing right now? Right? Right now, I'm looking at Mick. <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> And I'm trying to get a point across that is right now. I'm not thinking about my 3:30 appointment. I'm not thinking about all the other things I have to do today, all the stuff. Cause trust me, if I start thinking about everything I need to do right now, I'm going to do nothing. Yeah. Get overwhelmed. That overwhelming. That's, that's the key, right? When you said that, you know, when I start to think about all the things I need to do is I get overwhelmed. You do. And then you don't do anything. Just shut down completely. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> I was telling somebody this story earlier today is that I've been in business for six years. And in that time, I haven't gotten my businesses to where I wanted them to be. Right. And it was focus on one thing, focus on this, focus on that. And that's great. No, no issues there for anybody that works for, but that doesn't work for me. What works for me in business and it, everything is different. What works for me in business is I like to be busy. When I'm busy, I get more done, literally more done in my day when I'm busy and I don't have time. That's when I have the motivation to do stuff. If I don't have any appointments all day, but I have a ton of computer work to do, I'm going to probably binge watch the newest episodes <laughs> of my favorite show or read a whole book series in a day. I'm going to make that choice because I don't know what to do at that point, right? Having the show change that for me. I have, you know, nine to five, I have a schedule. I am booked nine to five. In that nine to five, if I have any available time, I'll do what I need to do, new, need to do that day to get it done, right? So everybody, again, it comes back to identity. It comes back to how you work, how, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So getting out of addiction and moving yourself into thriving, there's a process there. Number one is saying, do I like who I am? And I'm going to give you a little bit of a secret. Addiction is not who you are. Being an addict, not who you are. Being a mother, not who you are. Being a son or a sister or a brother or a husband or a wife, that is not who you are. That is a role. Mm -hmm. There is a difference, and, and I'm speaking as an identity expert. Trust me, there is a difference. I am a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, an aunt, all of it. None of those are me. They are roles that I subscribe to. I love them. I absolutely love them, but they are roles that I subscribe to. 
who I truly am comes down to my thoughts, my beliefs, my likes, my dislikes, my ability, my confidence, my passions, my self-love, my love of others, the way I treat others. That's me. It's not what I do. That's not my identity. And asking yourself, do I like who I am? If you're not liking your life, then you probably don't know who you are. Right? Mm -hmm. If you're an addiction, you probably don't know who you are. And being an addict and being an active, I guess we're all technically adults, addicts of something, but being an active addiction is you expressing yourself in the in a, the wrong way for you. It's an expression, right? Me being a mother is an expression. Me being a wife is an expression. I'm expressing who I am in those, but they're roles, right? I can, if, if I'm, you know, a doctor, that's a role, but I'm expressing my passion in that role right? Addiction becomes the same thing. You're expressing yourself through that role. Yeah. Identity is a huge part. And I haven't really put it together until like right about now, the identity part, it's huge. Like thinking back in high school, you know, when you join high school and you have the mandatory classes, but then you have like a class or two that you're taking as like a fun kind of activity. I think there was theater, things like that. You know, I did not know like, I remember it being so hard. Like, I don't know what to take. I don't know what I like. And it was such a roadblock. It was so confusing. You know, all these people around me, you know, you fit there, you know, you fit there. And I'm just like, where do I go? Like, I don't know which way to go. So I trialed and errored and I just failed at them all because I didn't put myself into it. I didn't put the effort into it. And that was a huge section of my life was just figuring out but once I got sober from the booze, like I completely got rid of that. I realized that, wow, I have all this time. I got to fill this time. And you were mentioning about how in business things roll better. That's not the words you used, but things roll better you, when you feel, fill up your schedule and you're busy. And I find that myself, I work that way too. Um, like I have a little day planner. I love handwriting and stuff compared to in my phone. And when I have that, I'm two weeks ahead. I like the two weeks ahead of me being booked every day for different things. You know, there's the priority. Then there's the, okay, if I get that done, then I can do this. And I do, I book fun in there too, because I have a little one who's not in kindergarten yet. So I, I book the fun in there as well. And I also, another thing is that. In the back of my mind that says, hmm, is he, you know, and you, you overanalyze then everything that comes out of that other person's mouth. Anyway, back to, so, so there is a part of me that does forgive, but I won't forget. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that understands where it came from, but it doesn't give him an excuse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, in today's day and age, as much as I seek help and as much as I encourage anybody else out there to seek help he should have done the same thing. And any man that's listening and, and can see these signs, you know, and, and sees that he, there's a, sees that he's has that control and that power in a negative way over a woman should be taking a step back going and, and saying and going, oh shit, you know, am I, is that me? 
Do I need to, or if somebody sees it, again, it goes back to communication. We need to open up about this. We need to bring this forefront and talk about it. And now I'm not saying that I forgive my abuser, okay? I forgave myself is what I did. I didn't fully forgive him, but I forgave myself because there was a lot of that self-hate, that, that selflessness, um, that I was worthless, that, you know, all those negative emotions that even after I got out of the, the relationship and the situation that I, I still had to deal with the aftermath. Yeah. Um, but I, I, if we can bring it out and talk about it, you know, and if, 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 you know, if your friends are saying, Hey dude, you know, you kind of like that with your girlfriend, maybe you should talk to somebody about it, you know, or, you know, Hey, Melissa, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that you're becoming distant. You're, you know, staying away from your family, you know, all those signs that, that just like a child that's dealing with being bullied in school, it's the same thing. We're being bullied as, as victims. Thank you. We are being bullied. And we, we exhibit almost all those same signs of that. So if you see your friend going through some of these stages, you know, maybe having, you know, long sleeves when she really shouldn't be wearing long sleeves, having a scarf around her neck, you know, to hide the, the choke marks or the bruises or whatever's there, a little extra makeup on to hide a bruise by the eye. Um, bring it forefront, you know, talk about it. I, I absolutely love that. And, and I want to, I, I want you to elaborate on that in a minute. I did want to add something to, to abusers. So a message to abusers. Now I'm, I'm going to specify this to, to men um, and not it, women as, as well. Uh, but I, I'm going to focal point on men here for a minute. Um, one of the things that I really, really want all of you to understand is that it is not weak. It is not unmanly. It is not a weakness or a failure to ask for help and to know that you are not okay and that your behavior is not okay. There are too many instances where men think that they can't share their weakness, they can't share their, their sorrow, they can't share the fact that they've been victimized and are now victimizing others. You need to be okay asking for help. And if you need help with that, I welcome you to message me because I work with men and women. I would love to get you the help that you need so that you aren't putting your anger onto those you love. And that's one of the huge things that I noticed is that it, it's always the ones we love the most. And then you wonder why that person doesn't love you anymore. You wonder why that person can't stay, excuse me, stay with you anymore, or doesn't feel the same with you anymore, or cringes when you walk into a room. It's, it's not okay. And if you do see somebody who is being abusive or somebody who is being abused, reach out to them, hold them accountable, you know, and, and not in a shame, not in a blame, not in anything like that. Say, dude, you know, I've noticed that you're super aggressive. Like, 
do you think like do you want to be that way like is your is your partner okay with that like just ask questions right and and help not not force that person to see their behavior but even just bring it out right and just be like you know I'm uncomfortable with that. If you're uncomfortable with the way somebody else is treating them, you know, even open up and say, you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that and, and speak up and, and, you know, but not in a, again, not in a shame or a blame. Now the, the question here becomes, how do you do it so that the partner doesn't get blamed, right? Because by that point, it may be that the partner will be blamed. Just do it offhandedly or, or, you know, have that conversation and say, you know what, I've, I've noticed some stuff that I'm, I'm kind of concerned about, you know, can we have a talk and just sit that person down and talk man to man, woman to woman, right? Um, The victim, woman to woman, man to man say, Hey, you know, I've noticed some stuff going on for you that, that I'm kind of concerned about. Do you need help? If you don't need help and you're feeling okay, then you know what, let's, let's talk. And, and, you know, I'm always here for you because sometimes people just need to know that you're there, right? You don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to be afraid. I'm here. If you need my help, I'm here. And you just share that. Um, so hurt people, hurt people. I'm just reading a couple of the comments, hurt people, hurt people. Ooh, deep topics. This seems amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love this topic. Um, not in a, you know, I, I wish there wasn't abuse. Um, Thank you. I was just about to ask if you could share some signs that loved ones should look for to know that a person may be in an abuse relationship. I was going to ask that as well, not just from the abuse victim's point of view, but for an abuser. How should how can an abuser tell that they're becoming an abuser? I'd like to know that Um, because sometimes you're right. It does start off slowly. And you don't notice it until it's gone past that point of no return. So knowing what some of those signs are, even for healthy relationships, right? If one partner, both partners are starting to get really aggressive and angry and and frustrated, knowing what those signs are and knowing when to get help, right? For the abuser and the victim. Um, I've had some issues with someone I've had a close relationship to before. Luckily it's good healthcare in Norway and I got away and got help. Absolutely. That's good to know that Norway has that. Um, and, and it is, it's so important across the world to have, you know, people and organizations and even women supporting women network, right. Just somewhere you can go and ask for help or share your story or, you know, share that topic. And that's why I love, I, I created the show. So, and I love it so much is because we do share these stories, right? The hard to talk yes. about stories. So yes, yeah, you could share some of those signs. That would be amazing. Well, it's, it's, it's just like any other addiction. Okay. You know, you're, whether it's drugs, alcohol, if, if you cannot get enough of it and your body is craving it and those chemicals are craving it, there's a problem. If you are inciting fights to give yourself the excuse for that abuse, that's a problem. If you are, um, you're stepping out and, and you're justifying everything, you know, on the rational side to deal with your emotional side, that's a problem. If you're, you know, cheating on your wife and and going out, your drinking's gotten heavier, your smoking's gotten heavier. In my, in my particular case, his gambling got heavier. He was addicted to, um, the lottery and it, it 
that in itself caused a huge rife in our in our marriage because he was constantly spending more and more money that that's another if the money is you know the things that that were normal in the beginning of the relationship are now gone <laughs> excuse me then then yes there's a problem but that abuser may not be aware of it which is where you know somebody from the outside can say and i love your words that all you have to say is i'm concerned that bring that that blame Okay, and I and I do put that in quotes. Okay, bring that blame back onto the person starting that conversation. Don't say, dude, you don't say we all know, don't do not, you know, if you put one finger out, there's three pointing back. So say, I'm concerned. I'd like to discuss what I'm seeing with you. I see a change in you. I want to help you. I want to be there for yeah. you. I want to talk about the situation ease it down a little bit, bring that conversation this way so that that abuser can say, dude, what, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the guys and women too, we, they will deny it without a doubt. Even well, if they know it and they are aware of it, they will deny that there's a, there's a problem. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You will get that. Look at Johnny I, I will Depp fight you. To the <laughs> I'm sorry. Look at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah, exactly. 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 Now, I'm, I'm, if you're pro Johnny or you're pro Amber, no, no issues. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I am absolutely 130% pro, pro Johnny. Um, I, I think he's the victim of the abuse. Uh, you, there is a physical, emotional, energetic difference between the two of them. Like you've been watching the court yes. appearances. You've watched her behavior, his behavior. He has more of the signs of abuse than she would, right? She does, yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, exactly. But she, so, but she yeah, but she does. Okay, she, that abuser does have those signs, and you, you just, you just said that the, the, the exact word behavior. If their behavior changes, just like we talked about earlier with a, a child being bullied in school, okay, their behavior is going to change drastically and the outside will see it that abuser probably knows it and probably doesn't want to address it um because obviously look at the topic okay but 99% sure that they know what's going on and they know what they're doing. And they also know that it's wrong. They know the difference between right and wrong, unless they're hundred percent clinically um, diagnosed as, as schizophrenic or psychotic. And or some my sort of ex, mental health condition. Yeah. Yes. And my ex was on that scale. He scored an eight out the only thing, but the only thing he didn't, do that I'm aware of was commit murder, but he scored on that scale high, very high, eight out of 10. Um, they, they know what they're doing, but, but the behavior, the behavior will change because you can't hide your emotions. You can't hide your feelings. You, you can't, the body responds to that. The, the body will, will respond to all those chemicals that are coursing through the body. You, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. Um, I, so I'm going to answer a couple of these questions in a second. Yes. Um, one of the, one of the things I will admit is I have the predisposition to be an abuser. I have the capability, the mentality, the mindset, and the emotional volatility to be an abuser. The instant that I feel backed in a corner, defensive, or 
angered in any way, I have the quick trigger reflex that I am, I my instinct immediately is to hurt you worse than you've hurt me. I don't care that I love you. I don't care that you're a part of my family. I don't care that you're my best friend. I don't care who you are, what your feelings are, or anything else in that sphere. My intention is to hurt you worse than anything so that you leave me alone. That is, and I have that. I'm volatile and I'm vindictive. The difference is, is I know that about myself. I know that I'm capable of that. And, and in a lot of situations, if I was out in public um, and somebody slapped me across the face, I would step, take a step back and I'd go, if you seriously meant to do that, then you and I are going to have an issue. And then my, volu- my volatile vindictiveness is going to come out full force. I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I will throat punch you faster than you can blink. But I know that with my kids, if you ask any one of my children, any one of them from eight, the eight-year-old, the 13-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 18-year-old, you can ask all of them. What do you need to do when mama is angry? <laughs> Leave her alone. And the first thing I say to them, if they come at me, if they come at me when I'm in that mood and they've pushed me to that mood, I say, okay, I am exceptionally angry right now. I'm going to go and take a time out. You need to leave me alone until I have had time to remove my emotions, process what I want to say, and then I'll talk to you. And I do that because I need to be that way. Now that vindictive volatileness of mine protects me too. Again, if I'm being attacked, I'm going to fight back. Exactly. So it's a benefit as long as you know how to control it. Exactly. Right. And there's a lot of, and again, abuse or abusers don't know how to control that and they feed off of that energy you think about any time you've been raging angry your adrenaline levels are through the root it's like a high in and of itself so you're like way the hell up here when you should be like right so abusers are constantly in that trigger 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 mode where everything and anything sets them off and and that's what leads to abuse right yes and so we've got a couple comments so i'm actually quite interested in the human psyche and in some cases the abused can forget events as a defense mechanism probably Mm -hmm. why i felt so insecure about my own judgment and memory i'm going to get to that one in a minute um Apparently the abuser can also forget the abuse they did before, but they, but that seems to be more rare. Again, I'm going to get to that one in a minute. Um, And then a question on, you seem very knowledgeable about this topic. Do you work in healthcare, uh, Christine, and then asking me as well. And then another one, abuse comes in so many forms as well as physically, mentally, and emotionally. Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about today. Um, Abuse, you're abusing your body with self-harm. You're abusing your body with negative talk. You're abusing your body when you say you're not worthy, you're a victim. There are so many different variations of the way that we abuse ourselves, overeating abuse. Um, you know, and, and not to say that you can't overeat. I pig out whenever the hell I want to. But again, are you abusing your body in that way? You can abuse your body, your mindset, your emotions, your physical, all of it. Uh, So absolutely true. So let's go back to this one. 
Um, I'm actually quite interested in the human psyche, right? So feeling insecure about your own judgment and memory. So first off, yes, you can and will black out being, being abused or being the abuser. And the reason is, is because you cannot emotionally, mentally, or physically contain the emotions that you're feeling. That's why you will black out in those instances, because your, your mentality, your body is telling you, you can't, can, you can't handle that emotion, um, or that the, the, the process of that at that time. Um, this goes for now I've, I've done a little bit of research into dissociative identity disorder. Um, and a lot of that stems from trauma and the, uh, the victim not being able to process. And instead of being able to, you know, handle the, the, the violence or whatever it is that they're experiencing, they create an alternate identity that can handle that. Um, and then it, it becomes in stages. So um, DID is one of the one of the effects, actually, of, of violent uh, trauma. Um, as for working in healthcare, Christine and I do not work in healthcare. Um, normally, I don't do this, but I absolutely, because of the topic, I welcome uh, you sharing. So tell everybody what you do, what what your role is, and and what you do, because I think that they need to know what we do in this episode. So. Okay. All right. So, so I'm a coach and I, I, I am certified in that. Um, if you're hard into drinking, quitting cold turkey can cause some severe uh, physical damage and it can. And that's why I mentioned a little bit about the harm reduction way. So for me personally, I had my last drink in uh, December. It was December, 2019. And it was just some homemade wine. I had a celebration with my dad and a few family members at that time. And that was my last drink. And it was the March after I went out for a girl's night. And so I didn't drink for three months there, but it, it was before that it was like hard into addiction. Um, so it's, I kind of slowly tapered off and I would drink to the point of like blacking out. It was not fun, but in, I had this epiphany in the March on the girl's night that me and my friend were out I, I was kid free that night and I was already planning the second vendor trip before I even went the first time. And I just completely lost all cool in my head. I was like, I had an anxiety attack. Like it was just like, wow, why am I planning the second vendor trip before I even went the first time? And that's when I realized I am not drinking from this point on. Um, but before that, like it was quite bad. So for me, it was kind of over time. But if somebody is actively drinking, let's say daily, let's say they have a case of beer, for an example, I don't want to even put a name on it because somebody might be listening with that name. So say this person has a 12 pack of beer every single night and they've been that way for 10 years. You're not just going to stop cold turkey. That is dangerous and that could be dangerous as well as opiate users. That's, there's there's uh, different maintenance programs for opiate users. But for some other drugs, you know, slowly tapering yourself off or quitting depending on what level you're at is it's okay but again you are completely correct whoever made that comment that it could be very dangerous or fatal quitting like there's um you can get the shakes you know the sweats and throwing up and just putting yourself into this detox phase and there are detox programs i'm sure worldwide or wherever people are located um so if that is the problem and if you are drinking consistently i would suggest Instead of the 12 pack, 
have, you know, I don't, there's no such thing as an 11 pack, maybe make a 12 pack last to the next day and then go to down. And then within a couple of weeks, maybe in a month you go down to a six pack and you slowly taper yourself off. And it's a lot easier on your body too, because you're not going to have that shock or that anger or that, you know, any kind of negative physical effects as you would. So that's a very, and he's thriving at it. Like, I mean, he looks good other than his broken wing hanging limply, but he looks good. He doesn't look scrawny and you know, he does what he needs to do. He's climbing my apple tree right now, trying to get on top of my fence, right. Instead of flying, um, which he just did. And I see him just walking along my fence with his broken wing and as entrepreneurs, that's part of our process is we're hopping along. We might not have a broken wing, but we don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, we are walking along that path and it is a lonely path mm-hmm. and it is a scary, uncertain path where we don't know what's coming next. We, you know, we have all these plans and all these ideas and all this creativity you need to know that you're not alone. First of all, you need to know that your number one support system is going to be yourself and that it is so important to build that foundation of trust, that foundation of courage and confidence and your intuition and creativity within yourself, because your business is an expression of yourself. As you're about to yawn. I, I've done that on a couple episodes. I'm not, I caught it and I love it. I love it. You can find us on multiple social media platforms. Again, by Googling Just Alive TV, we're giving you something to talk about. If you would like to be a guest on the show, a contributor, a sponsor, or if you would like to see a topic featured on the show, please absolutely connect with us. Again, JustAliveTV.com. Also join our mailing list so that you get to know what's upcoming what you get to look forward to, and when we go live. So you'll never miss an episode that you're really interested in. All right. Well, thank you again, Don. I really appreciated your time and your energy on this wonderful episode. For the rest of my Gista family, lots of love, and I will see you on the next episode.